Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. And I would also like to welcome you if this is your first Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Doesn't the, doesn't the stage look cool? Don't you like this? I, I really like this. This is, uh, this is the work of our design team. And uh, the uh, Colleen family cut down the trees. And Rochelle King and Gina Fortushniak and, and Jane Mundorf did the setup of everything. Um, Gina sprayed all these trees white. She was uh, just, I don't know how long it took, but Gina, wherever you are, thank you for spraying all these white, and thank you guys on the design team and the Colleen's. I think they were probably just trying to get rid of some trees and thought this was a good idea. <laughs> the design team wants to come to my house and trim some bushes and anytime and Rake some leaves. I think that would be a great idea. You could spray the leaves silver and decorate them on the stage. Um, and the presents, uh, it's obviously, it's the uh, beginning of the Christmas season. And uh, so we thought we would take a break from Daniel for the month of December. And um, because when we think of Christmas, we often think of gifts we decided to do a short series called The Giver of Every Good Gift to focus on God and the multitude, multitudes of gifts that He gives us, especially the gift of His Son, Jesus, which Bob will be speaking about on Christmas Eve. Um, and before I go on any further, I just have to say, wasn't the worship great this morning as well? Didn't Man, it just... Sounded so good. Thank you to our worship team who serves us every Sunday. Man, I just we're so blessed here. It's just enjoyed it so much. I I couldn't believe it was over. We needed more. <laughs> Sounded so great. What's that? Hold my lighter up to, to for more. I will do that. Thank you, Albert. That's a great idea. <laughs> Next Sunday, bring your lighters and we'll hold them up. Okay, this morning's message is called The Giver of Every Good Gift, which is the title for our series. And Alexander the Great had a general whose daughter was getting married. And Alexander valued this soldier greatly, and he offered to pay for the wedding. And when the general gave Alex Alexander's steward the bill, it was enormous. And the steward came to Alexander and named the sum, and to his surprise, Alexander smiled and said, pay it! Pay it! Don't you see? By asking me for such an enormous sum, he does me great honor. He shows that he believes I am both rich and generous. I love that illustration. He believes that I am both rich and generous. And so he asks me for great things. 
Do you believe that about God? Do you believe that He is rich and generous, especially toward you? Most of us have no problem believing God is rich. But I think at times we struggle to maybe wonder if He's going to be generous to us. And so we want to focus on God's generous, gracious nature this morning. And I hope that it will encourage you that God wants to be generous and gracious to you. And that it will affect your life. So let's pray. Lord, Your Word tells us, as we will see this morning, that You are rich and generous. And I pray that You would speak to us through Your Word, by Your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that You would speak to us and impart faith, greater faith this morning in You, that You are a lavish, gracious God who loves to bless His children. Lord, would You please give us that faith. Let us, each one of us, walk out of here this morning with a greater faith and a greater hope in You. Lord, we, we know You are. Your Word says that You are. And we ask that you would, you would stir us this morning and pour out Your Spirit and give us greater faith in You. Lord, You are the star of this message, even though there will be some things that I will encourage us to do. Lord, we want this message and this season to be about You. That You are the One you are the focus. You are the, the great, generous giver of every good gift. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. Our God waits to pour out blessings upon us. He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. When God pours out mercy upon His people, it exalts Him. It glorifies Him. It displays His generosity. It displays His goodness every time God is merciful to us and gracious to us. And when we come to God in prayer, we show Him that we believe that He is gracious and that He is merciful. Now, do you, again, I want to ask you this question, do you think of God as generous and lavish and gracious. That would be one of my goals this morning, is that if you don't, you would think of God as gracious and generous. And if you do, that maybe you would think of Him as even more generous than you have in the past. We are generous with our kids most of the time. And Jesus, in fact, referred to that. He said, if you who are evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Give good things to those who ask Him, He says in Matthew. I can remember when my kids were little, 
One day my wife Christy was in Walmart with our daughter Beth, who was around six at the time, and Beth had a little friend with her, Dee Dee. And apparently Beth had been asking Christy to buy her things, and Christy had been saying no. And Christy overheard Beth say to her friend, My mom never buys me anything, but my dad gets me anything I want. (laughs) And that was true. (laughs) I could not resist my kids asking me. (laughs) I will never forget when I heard that. Jesus said, if you who are evil, if if us who have sin natures, if we give good gifts to our children, how much more, Jesus said, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? 1 Timothy 6.17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Set your hopes on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God is not a tightwad. God is not saying, oh, you're asking for this. Well, I might give you a little bit of it. No, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Our God is a generous King. Let us set our hope on Him and not on this world. I want to talk about God's generosity for a few minutes. God is a generous King. And we can see God's lavish, generous nature just by looking at the creation. Scientists say, I read this, scientists say there are 100 billion observable galaxies. How do they come up with that number? Do they have something that can count them? I, I, I wonder when I read statistics like that. They, 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 how do they know there's 100 billion? I would be amazed if there were 100 million observable galaxies. And each one of those 100 billion observable galaxies. That's not to mention that there could be billions and billions that are not observable, but each one of those 100 billion observable ones has hundreds of billions of stars in each galaxy. That's our God. That's how great He is. That's how expansive He is. That's how lavish He is. He created beauty all around us as far as the eye can see. If we just look at our world, there are thousands of kinds of trees and fruit and flowers and sunsets. This past week, I, I, I saw a sunset and it was just it took my breath away. I just said, oh, God, how, how, how incredible You are. How lavish You are. There's beauty everywhere. Mountains and lakes and redwood forests and beaches and changing seasons. God could have made the world in black and white. He could have created just one kind of food, but instead He created 
lunamoths and mimosa trees and jungles and deserts and, and garden spiders and red-winged blackbirds and ring-necked snakes. I caught a ring-necked snake when I was a kid. That's how I know God made them. Can't compare to Bob Mundorf who catches rattlesnakes, but I caught a ring-neck once. Made weeping willows and tiger lilies. God, God didn't make a strictly utilitarian world. He is lavish. <laughs> Do you know that there are approximately 20,000 species of butterflies in the world? 20,000 species of butterflies. 35,000 species of spiders, for those of you who love spiders. I think I might have like 25,000 in my basement. Nine, now listen to this. God has created 9,956 species of birds. Again, I wonder, 9,956, not 9,955. 9,956. I, I wonder, is there a master list somewhere that people are keeping track of how many kinds of birds there are? God is so incredible. There are over four there are over 4675 species of lizards. 400,000 flowering plants. Listen to this. There are 7500 varieties of apples. For those of you who love apples. 7500 different kinds of apples. Think of all the gifts God pours out on us. The gifts the gift of music like we heard this morning. The gift of friends. The gift of marriage for those who are married. The gift of children. Those who have children. The gift of grandchildren. Those of you who have grandchildren. The gift of homes. The gift of food. gift of electricity. Indoor plumbing. Heating. Air conditioning. The, the gift of God's protection of us. The gift of laughter. You're sitting around with your friends laughing. That's a gift from God. Gift of joy. Music, as I mentioned. Sports. Hunting. Cooking. Pets. Well, <laughs> those of you who know me know I'm, I'm not a, a dog lover. God keeps giving us dogs, so. And I know it's a, a gift to many people. I see people in our neighborhood walking with four dogs, and I think, they love dogs. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. The gift of books, so many things that bring us joy. Technology. I'm not a big video game person, but I was talking to Eric Walls and Justin Brode recently, and they were telling me how much joy they get out of video games. Eric plays with his his kids and gets great joy out of that and they were telling me how much joy they get out of playing with each other they're, I guess they're in their separate homes on headsets and they're saying take that hill Justin I got it I got it and they're in there while their wives are slaving away in the kitchen <laughs> but God gives us joy God gives us all these things he just doesn't have to give us all these blessings all our God is a generous God and that's just looking at the creation. And so when we sing, when we sing the song, 10,000 reasons for my heart to find, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, 10,000 reasons. There are hundreds of thousands of reasons to bless the Lord. 
Now, if all these material gifts were not enough, in His generous nature, God has blessed us with the gift of salvation. The gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, which I can't wait to hear Bob's message on that. So I'm not going to focus so much on that, but that's the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ and the salvation He brought to us. But Ephesians 2, 1-7 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I was dead. I remember those times. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Every one of us following Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By nature, we deserved God's wrath. And we would have received it had not He sent His Son Jesus. But God, look at this, but God, being rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses with no interest in God, care less about God, hated God, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at this last line. So that in the coming ages, in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We were following Satan. We were living our own selfish lives. Could care less about God. He made us alive together with Christ. Poured out grace richly upon us. So much grace. Not only did He save us from hell and eternal destruction. Not only did He make us sons of God. Not only did He join us to Jesus Christ and make us one with Jesus Christ. But He has poured out so much kindness in Jesus that it says it's going to take the coming ages. In the coming ages that He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We can't fathom how kind the riches of God's kindness to us in grace in Jesus it's, it's going to take the coming ages. In other words, from age to age. God will never be finished showing us how He has blessed us in Christ. Think about it. This present age, we don't know how long it is. How long is an age? 10,000 years. Say, we, when we go to heaven, the first age is 10,000 years. For 10,000 years, God's going to be revealing the kindness He has lavished on us in grace in Christ. That's just one age. For 10,000 years, we're going to be blown away at God's kindness and lavish goodness to us. And then God will say, okay, one age is over. Let's start another age. I've got more to show you of how kind I've been to you in Jesus. We can't fathom how generous God is. Jesus, in a small way, on, when He came to earth, in many ways, demonstrated the generosity of God. 
Remember when he was out and the crowd had nothing to eat and in Matthew 14, they, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the, to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So that could have been 10,000 people. And five loaves and two fish. God multiplies it. And there are more baskets left over than the number of things they had in the beginning. There's 12 baskets stuffed with pieces of bread and fish. And Jesus only started out with five loaves and two fish. Jesus is lavish, generous. God is so abundant. So, so abundant. I hope you're being encouraged. I, I love talking about our generous King. So if we know that our God is lavish and abundant, how should that affect our lives? How, how should that shape us? How should it shape our thinking? How should we act? Well, first of all, as we heard earlier, set your hope on our generous God. Again, 1 Timothy 6.17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Set our hope on God who richly provides. Set our hope not on this world. During the roaring 20s, Investing in the stock market became a national pastime. And from, I read that from 1922 until right before the crash in 1929, the stock market increased by 218% or nearly 20% a year. People were going crazy. Some people borrowed money so they could buy shares in the stock market. That's, they, they were just so certain they were going to make a profit. They are borrowing. And businesses did the same thing. They were taking out loans for expansion. And there were stories of everyone from maids to teachers making millions, which fueled what this article described as a feeling of irrational exuberance. And some banks even invested their depositors' savings without telling them. And in the 1920s, Florida experienced a wild real estate bubble. City lots in Miami were bought and sold as many as ten times in a single day. Then in October of 1929, the stock market crashed and it lost $30 billion in market value at the time which today would be worth $396 billion. And that was more than the total cost of World War I. It was the worst crash in U.S. history, and it led to the Great Depression. So that's, 
that's an example of putting our hope in this world. That's what people were doing. They're putting their hope in this world. Now, I know that governments take steps to prevent that kind of thing from happening again, but we really have no guarantee. This country could go downhill in one day, just like the stock market crash of 1929. We have no guarantee. That doesn't mean we don't try to be wise with our money and stuff like that, but what are we putting our hope in? What are we hoping in? We need to put our hope in a generous God who richly provides us with everything we need. Secondly, first we set our hope on God. Secondly, we should not be anxious. Jesus said, look at the sparrows. They don't sow, they don't reap, and yet God feeds them. He said, look at the, look at the lilies of the field. They, they don't toil, they don't make their clothing, and yet God clothes them. Jesus said, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like the lilies of the field which are gone today, here today and gone tomorrow. That's because God is just lavish again. He could have made lilies just a plain gray. He's a lavish, generous God. And so Jesus said, if God is like that, why are you worried if He provides for sparrows, if He provides for lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, if He provides like that for them, isn't He going to provide for you? And He said, besides that, being anxious won't add one single hour to your life. It won't change anything. So, what should we do when we're tempted to be anxious about our provision. Well, first of all, the Bible says lift your concerns to God. Lift our concerns to our generous King. We're to pray. Philippians 4 says don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So he says don't be anxious, but make your request known to God. See, God has given, given us the best thing. Everything else we need is way, 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 way secondary. It says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him, with Him, graciously, there it is again, graciously give us all things? That's saying if God gave his most precious possession, His very Son for us. Don't you think He'll put food on the table? Don't you think He'll give you enough for gas for the car? Don't you think He'll supply your needs? He gave His most precious thing, His Son. How will He not graciously give us all things? Here's how God told Israel to think about it. This is one of my favorite verses. I am the Lord your God. He's he told Israel this as he was giving them commandments about obeying him. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
It's, he's talking about how He redeemed them. This was a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. God brought Israel out of slavery. They were in bondage to the Egyptians. They couldn't get out themselves. They had no hope. And God said, I'm going to bring you out. And He brought them out of Egypt. And He says, now, if I am the kind of God that can bring you out of Egypt, open your mouth wide for whatever else you need. Ask Me for big things. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Expect Me to be gracious and generous to you. So very often I quote this to God. Not that He needs to hear it. (laughs) Probably to remind myself and give me faith when I'm asking the Lord for things. I say, Lord, You saved me. You did the hardest thing. Now please, would you please do this for my family? Would you please do this for my children? Would you please do this for me? Would you please do this in the church? Lord, I'm opening my mouth wide. I'm I'm asking for bigger things because nothing is impossible to you. Ephesians chapter 3 says, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. I say that to the Lord too. I say, Lord, I can think of You doing this. I'm asking You to do more than I can even imagine. Because You're generous. Nothing is impossible to You. So I want you to think right now, what is one of the things that's most on your mind? Do you ask God regularly? Do you ask Him in faith? Do you ask Him believing He's generous? Do you ask God believing He can do more than you can think or ask? Because that's how generous our God is. Now what about when God doesn't answer our prayers? I mean, that could be a whole message. But it says in Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. If God doesn't answer our prayers, it doesn't mean He's not generous. It It might mean it's not the right time. And He's got a much better time to answer our prayers. It's going to be so much better if if we have to wait. Or it might be... It might be some other reason in His infinite wisdom, but I know this. God causes all things to work together for good. And the Bible does say that when we get to heaven, we're going to be blown away because it says that our suffering here, the Bible says that our our suffering here, when we get to heaven and we see the weight of glory that God has used our afflictions and trials here, when we see the weight of glory that it has produced, we're going to say, that was light and momentary. It doesn't feel light and momentary here. But we're going to say, in heaven, when we see the glorious things that God does, Again, he's, we're going to say, Lord, You're so gracious. You're so generous. I can't believe You did that. That's so awesome. 
Our sufferings here seem horrible at times and long and unending and painful. But I know that our God somehow is still loving and gracious. And we have to just keep trusting that. Another thing that we should do is if God is generous, if God is lavish, if God is gracious, we should give thanks to our generous King continually. All day long. Continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Even in hard circumstances, we can thank God that somehow He is using these for His His glory and our good. But we should be thankful. We should be the most thankful people on earth because God saved us. I've told this story before, but my friend Pete Greasley, who's British, when he got saved... He got saved. He was so excited about being saved. And then he was driving his car one day and he saw this beautiful woman walking on the sidewalk and he got distracted. She later would become his wife. But he got distracted and smashed into a car. And when he got out of his car and he looked at his car and it was all dented in, he said, So what? I'm saved! (laughs) In his great British accent. I make him tell me that story often. So what? I'm saved. So what? So what if I don't have enough money? I'm saved. So what if I have to go through this? I'm saved. The greatest thing is our salvation. We can thank Jesus every day for that, if nothing else. But it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And there are numerous scriptures about giving thanks, which I'm not going to go into. But I want to tell you something. If, if you can cultivate the habit of thankfulness, it will be one of the best things you have ever done. It, I, I try to be thankful. I'm not always thankful, but I try to be thankful as all day long as much as I can for a- anything and everything. And, and, and God has used that to just bless me so much with, with more joy than I could ever have imagined. And... And I just want to encourage you to cultivate the habit of thankfulness. We who have been saved, we who know Jesus Christ, should be the most thankful people on the face of the earth. People at work, people that work with you should wonder why you're so thankful. Fourth, let us seek to imitate our generous God. Let us seek to imitate. So we trust God. We put our hope in God and not in this world. We're not anxious. We try not to be anxious. We try to remember to ask God for all we need. and We try to remember to give thanks continually. And fourth, let us seek to imitate our God and be generous. I read a little story. It says a mother wanted to teach her daughter a moral lesson. And so she gave the little girl a quarter and a dollar for church. And she says, put whichever one you want in the collection plate and keep the other for yourself. 
she told her daughter. And when they were coming out of church, the mother asked the daughter which amount she had given. Well, said the little girl, I was going to give the dollar, but just before the collection, the man in the pulpit said, we should all be cheerful givers. And I knew I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter. So I did. <laughs> we, we should, if our God is so generous, we should be generous. We, we, we want to try to imitate him. We want to try to be as generous as we can and cheerfully generous. And when we give cheerfully to the Lord, when we're generous to the poor, when we give our money to the kingdom of God, we imitate our Father who is gracious and generous. We imitate our Heavenly Father who gave His most precious Son to us. So this Christmas season is obviously, every Christmas season, there's, there's many opportunities, many charities, many opportunities to give to the poor, help others, give to world missions, give to the church, give to, give to people you know in need. And I just, I just want to encourage all of us, and I'm saying this to myself, I want to be as generous as I can be. I want to grow in being generous. I want to put, grow in trusting God more. Because sometimes when we're when we're giving to the Lord, we can think, oh, if I give this, I might not have enough. And we want to put our hope in God who richly supplies us with every good thing to enjoy. Our God is a generous King. He is the giver of every good gift. And the greatest gift is His Son, Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not put your faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift God has for you, more than anything else you could have. And He wants to give you the gift of His Son. He wants to give you the gift of salvation and eternal life. And the Bible says when we believe in Jesus for who He is, as the Bible says, who He is, God who became a man, who gave Himself and shed His blood to pay for our sins, and rose from the dead when we believe in Him and call upon Him as Lord. Lord, come and be my Lord. Come and save me. He will. And He will come and save you. And I want to encourage anyone who has never done that to do that. And then you will begin to know and experience the, the love of this generous God that I'm talking about. For the rest of us who, who know our God, let us Hope in God, not in this world. Let us not be anxious, but lift our supplications to Him and trust Him. And let us continually be thankful. And then let us seek to imitate our gracious God by being as generous as we can. So let's stand and let's pray and let's have the band come up. Oh Lord, Father, we... Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for saving us, giving us so many riches in Him that it will take the coming ages for you to begin to unveil all your generosity to us. 
Lord, help us to put our trust in You and our hope in You and not in this world. Help us, Lord, to be thankful and help us to be the most generous people on the face of the earth. We need Your help, Lord. We need You to help us. We need You to change us. We need You to give us faith. We, we need You to give us joy in giving. Because we can be like that little girl who put a quarter in. So, Lord, we, we need Your help. And we thank You that You are more than anxious to help us. And more than anxious to bless us. Because You're such a generous God. In Jesus' name, Amen.